Welcome to the Sports Grab Podcast, where we empower you with the answers to your burning questions to accelerate your career into the sports industry. We are your hosts, Melbourne-based sports administrators, Ruben Williams and Ryan Walker. Join us as we share unique and personal examples as well as relatable information and deliver them to you in bite-sized, fluff-free episodes. Want to swipe our signature framework to add awesome experience to your resume? Download our free ebook, Four Steps to Create Outstanding Work Experience in Sport, at sportsgrad.com.au. Now sit back, relax, enjoy the show, and don't forget to hit subscribe so you don't miss any of our latest episodes released every Tuesday and Thursday. Rubes, one of the best things about the AFL that I love is that their clubs have the highest percentage of fans who are members out of every sport in the world. What's even more exciting is that thanks to Dollar Shave Club, you can get your first month of the SportsGrad membership 100% free. Listen in because here is how. To take advantage of this incredible offer, first head to dollarshaveclub.com slash sportsgrad. There's a link in our show notes and grab your starter box for just $15, which will also save you $10 off your second delivery. Then send us a picture of your receipt to our Insta page and you'll receive the code to get your first month free of the sports grad membership to make that clear for just $15 you'll get a starter box you save $10 off your second box and you save another $14 for your free month of the sports grad membership there are already plenty of people loving the membership so jump on board to look and feel great with dollar shave club Hello and welcome to the Sports Grad Podcast. My name is Ruben Williams and with me as always is the outrageous Ryan Walker. How are you today, Ryan? Fantastic, Rubes. Uh, outrageous. That's a that's a, a random one, but a good one because I'm feeling pretty outrageous today. Um, you are outrageous. Yeah, we, we love you I'm, for I'm, it. Yeah. How, how are you going? I'm doing fantastic. I'm looking forward to uh, the easing of restrictions soon. So we might be able to reconvene for the first time in months. Yeah, look, I've I've kind of got used to doing this virtual, um, but can I say doing this side by side is going to be a whole different kettle of fish. So, um, no, let's bring the uh, the easing of restrictions forward. I say, and um, yeah, really looking forward to that one. Fantastic. Well, firstly, thank you so much to you for listening, for downloading, and getting involved. We really appreciate everyone who jumps on board and supports the show. Today, we are talking to Mitch Woods about how to sell sponsorship at your grassroots club. If you're listening for the first time and thinking, what is this show? Who are these two guys? The Sports Grad Podcast is your bite-sized guide to enter the sports industry. I myself am a graduate of Deakin University in Melbourne, and Ryan is a graduate of Notre Dame, Australia in Perth. A few years back, we both made the jump into working at Cricket Australia together, and now our aim is to help you do the same in whatever way shape or form that may be in the sports industry. Our guest today is none other than Mitch Woods from the St Kilda Football Club. Mitch is a commerce graduate with a wealth of experience working with sponsors, which includes working on the agency side with TLA Australia, with a national sporting body in Netball Australia, working with semi-elite clubs such as the Richmond Cricket Club and Noosa Football Club, and now with the resurgent St Kilda Football Club in the AFL. He is also a former commentator as well. So we should have a lot of fun in this podcast as someone who knows how to do them properly. Mitch, welcome to the Sports Grad Podcast. G'day, guys, and thanks for having me. Really excited to talk to you about all things grassroots and, um, yeah, really like the show as well, so well done. Fantastic. 
Mitch, we might jump straight into it then. What have been some of the highlights and challenges of uh, working at the St Kilda Football Club this year during what's been an extremely different AFL season? Yeah, it's a good question, Rubes. It's uh, It's been a season unlike any other, and I guess uh, a lot of the challenges were, I guess, pretty obvious from the start, especially when, when I guess, lockdown and, and the stand-down period started. Um, it was, you know, unsure whether the season was going to go ahead, how many rounds is it going to be, what, you know, are we even going to get to see a game, you know, what does that mean for our commercial partners, what does that mean for fans, etc. So there was a lot of uncertainty early on, especially when uh, when Gil McLaughlin came out and said the season was uh, was postponed. So um, that was a really challenging period. But I guess once we sort of got through that initial phase and uh, he came out with an announcement the season would progress, it gave us a bit of clear air to, to sort of move forward, I guess, um, and gave us a bit of clarity. The hardest part definitely, mate, was um, yeah, having to, to navigate through uh, a stand-down period where a lot of people were in lockdown and it was all foreign to everyone um, and to sort of tell our partners that, yeah, yeah, we'd love you to stick around, but you might not actually see a game of footy this year. So um, plenty of different challenges, mate. Um, the exciting part was it gave also uh, a different challenge and a different perspective on football for a lot of people too. So um, we sort of tried to embrace that, what are things we could do to to enhance experience, whether it be for, for fans um, you know, up there in Queensland or whether it be for our fans back here, what sort of virtual exercises could we do to, to keep them engaged? So, mate, um, yeah, a lot of challenges, but also the flip side, there's a lot of opportunities as well. Mitch, obviously, uh, it's been a challenging year on field, obviously not for the Saints, but in terms of like working in footy, it would have been a challenging one from a commercial side of things. How's it been sort of not being able to sort of do activations at game or sort of do any sort of commercial activity at, at match? Has that been a, a bit of a challenge for you? Absolutely, mate. It's, um, you know, we've had to really change a lot of things and go, you know, I guess head towards the digital space a bit more, mate. We've done a lot of uh, engagement and in- integrations with our partners, whether it be Deliveroo or, or Dare Ice Coffee, two of our, our majors. So um, it's it's had to be creative in that sense. Um, and just being able to, I guess, manage relationships is really key. It sort of shows how strong your relationships are with your partners as well um, and the guys down at the Saints, especially in the servicing um, and headed up by Jay and Chris Larkins, they do a fantastic job. So um, in terms of making sure the relationships are super strong, um, you know, the partners are engaged, we're trying to offer as many benefits as we can. Um, but also um, the benefit was too, you know, everyone's at home, they're on their devices. So um, the engagement levels are right up too. So there's also opportunities. So you've still got to try and find that, wherever that may be, um, and try and really, I guess, leverage that as much as possible. But Mate, it's, it's an interesting conversation to have when you speak to them and you don't know where the footy season's going ahead and they're putting over uh, yeah, thousands of dollars. So uh, luckily enough, mate, we've all, you know, our, our major partners all recommitted and, and sticking around. So I think um, that's a huge success from our point of view. Mitch, your resume has got the Noosa Football Club listed on there. How close were you being able to um, get yourself a, a flight up north given your connections in Queensland? Mate, I tried everything to get on that plane, I tell you. I, um, I was pulling all my resources up in Noosa. I'd even said I'd pay for myself. So that's how close I got. But um, unfortunately, it was footy staff only and the admin staff and off-field staff <laughs> had to stay down here. It was very ironic, mate. I, moved, I came back from Noosa late last year and uh, you wouldn't be able to script uh, the, the Saints being able to go up to Noosa and spend 100 days in a hub. So... Um, mate, I would have loved to have been up there, especially when I know what it's about and I don't know whether anyone's been up there and, and, 
and seen a game of footy in, in South East Queensland in the middle of winter uh, at 21 degrees, it's brilliant. So um, I knew they were experiencing Yeah, I was trying my best to, to get up there, but unfortunately had to stick it out like the rest of us, gents. Yeah, fair enough. It, yeah, it's been pretty grim down here, so I think we all could have done a little spell in Noosa. No problem <laughs> at all. Um, so, Mitch, in a in a commercial role, um, networking plays a, a pretty big part in sort of the success of of your role. And what's sort of your networking been like when you when you haven't been met or been able to meet face to face? It's all kind of been screen to screen. Um, has it opened any sort of doors for you? Yeah, it's a good question. It's um, yeah, it's obviously completely different to what um, you know, you've previously done. Um, it's definitely meant that we've had to get used to you know, even presenting and meeting people for the first time over Zoom and um, you know, that experience and whether they can't even work their mic or whether they create some sort of awkwardness, whatever it is, um, it's been a challenge. But it also, I think you can also have the opportunity to be a bit more productive as well. You know, you're not driving around. Many people are not paying for parking. You're not, um, you know, you're wasting hours in Melbourne traffic. So um, we've actually been able to probably be a bit more effective in how we speak to people uh, and the amount of people we speak to, um, to be able, and being able to network. So that's been a been a huge positive. Um, and obviously, mate, my philosophy is just to get on the phone and and check in with people and and keep that constant communication going. So that's obviously been as per usual, but. Um, yeah, mate, it's been – I've seen a lot of uh, different lounge rooms and, and bedrooms and um, virtual backgrounds when they're probably not proud of their bedrooms. So, <laughs> um, yeah, it, it's been interesting. But um, to answer your question, yeah, definitely a challenge, but uh, I think we've been more productive, strangely enough. One one thing I've noticed is the, the blurred uh, outside of the screen on Zoom uh, as of late, I think – People have noticed that, hey, maybe the lounge room isn't, or, or maybe even the bedroom isn't quite <laughs> a good one to have on a, <laughs> on a meeting. But I logged on, I logged on the other day, and the guy had the Bahamas as his virtual background. Yeah, <laughs> he's wanting to be somewhere else, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, one of my close colleagues does that every time, and some people who haven't seen her on um, on Teams each time, they say, "Oh, yeah. you're not actually on a, a beach." Either. They actually take the bait. Which is yeah. funny in itself. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a shocker. But um, no, I reckon I've found ha- having Zoom and, and Teams and stuff, it's almost easier to to just randomly catch up with people. You know, even though it's probably not the, it's not ideal. You, you'd probably rather go get a coffee. I've found it's it's easy. Like you just you're just yeah. clicking on, and often it's it's quick, and you're done, and you can get straight back to work in a way. So it's been good in that sense. Absolutely, and you find it a couple of extra hours in the day as well. You're not driving to work or, you know, you might yeah. be able to get out for a run a bit easier or a bit quicker. So, yeah, plenty of plenty of benefits as well, Chance. I don't know what it'll look like post this period and uh, we might have a bit of a mixture, but, yeah, it's definitely changed people's thinking. Mitch, for, for students who are trying to arrange that sort of Zoom catch-up for the first time, what, what sort of tips or advice would you would you give to them? Mate, just ask is, is the biggest one, I guess. Um, ask people you know. Um, whether they'd be happy to, to introduce you or LinkedIn's a great tool as well um, and not to be doubted, I don't think. It, it opens doors. It's like having your, you know, your resume online essentially. Um, um, so that's a big one. But my, you know, to answer your question, Rose, is just to, just to ask, mate, and, and, and see, you know, ask what people's advice is. People will always want to help and that's a big one for me. So um, you can never underestimate that. So ask away, see who they might know, got a mutual connection, use LinkedIn, have a look at what they've previously done. 
uh, plenty of different ways. And then once you're on the Zoom, it's, um, yeah, try and make a few jokes and make them feel comfortable because it's virtual. <laughs> so you've got to try and build rapport somehow. But, um, yeah, that's my best advice. Our man, uh, Rubes, certainly may need some some LinkedIn advice, Mitch. I'm not sure if you've seen him, but very active on LinkedIn. Um, yeah, I think he may have been referred as the king of LinkedIn at some point. Uh, <laughs> not by me, but <laughs> by by someone. that don't know who. Um, well, strangely enough, I think Rubes got in touch with me for, for this uh, podcast by LinkedIn. Oh, so there's, a, there's a case study if we've ever, ever yeah. seen one. There we go. Uh, good, you good are getting never... copies with people and getting people on podcast. So, <laughs> yeah, it's your tool. If you want to be on the podcast, have a LinkedIn uh, profile and Rubes yeah. will drop <laughs> you along. Absolutely. Um, uh, so, you, Mitch, you, Ryan, oh, Ryan, you want to you, I was just going to say, you never miss an opportunity to bring up my relationship with LinkedIn when LinkedIn gets a mention <laughs> on this show. <laughs> uh, yeah, I... When I shoot, I, I don't miss on the LinkedIn ones, mate. So yeah, and you, you've opened yourself up to that one. So anyway, let's let's move on from LinkedIn. Um, Mitch, you were general manager of Noosa Footy Club for over two years. Um, yeah. Where you're responsible for everything from sponsorship, finance, list management, uh, media, everything in a in a footy club. Um, what, what did you learn from that period um, being involved there? Mate, it was it was one of the great experiences. Uh, I think one of the best things I've done as well, to be honest. Um, you know, to have an opportunity to you know, albeit a you know a smaller club than than probably what you'd find uh, in Melbourne in metropolitan footy, but uh, the opportunity to to manage our footy club and, and have a lot of the responsibility yourself was something that I um, had wanted to do for a little while. So I sort of took the opportunity and uh, mate, learnt an absolute truckload. Probably the biggest thing is you can't do it all yourself. So you sort of go in there with your, you know, your, your chest pumped out, and you, and you think you can change the club and take it to, you know, the AFL or whatever you want, whatever your thoughts are. Um, you, you can't do it all yourself. So that's one thing you learn is just being able to definitely delegate and, and engage and inspire people to help you along the way too. Um, that's a big one. So you've got to build those relationships and, and get people at the at the local clubs to to be engaged, but also to to help the club grow too because uh, a lot of the time they're volunteers and you being the only, you know, one of the only paid staff, at, you know, you've obviously got to be in it, uh, whereas they've got, you know, numerous other things pulling them in different directions for life. So, mate, one of the biggest things is, uh, yeah, definitely to be able to, you know, to lean on people and, and know that clubs don't work uh, due to one single person. That was a big one. Um, but also, mate, the one thing else I learned was you, know, you never know what you're capable of uh, until you give it a give it a go to. So, you you know, doubt often stops people from, um, you know, trying to achieve certain things or give things a try. So um, go into it with the best uh, intentions possible, but you just never know what can be achieved. Um, so that was another thing that I sort of opened my eyes up, mate, to, you know, to step outside my comfort zone and, and go to a new new state and, and place to live that I'd never done before. Um, so there's plenty of life lessons and also work lessons. And when you're five minutes away from the beach, if you've had a tough day, just roll down to Hastings Street and, Grab yourself a, a fruit smoothie and, and jump in the water, and everything's solved. So yeah. <laughs> uh, I'll definitely miss, I definitely miss that this year. That's for sure. Sounds like your time in Janjakrain over the, the previous <laughs> very lockdown. Similar. Yeah, very similar down to um, yeah, just down to Janjak Beach. It solves all life's issues, uh, Rube. So <laughs> I recommend living by the beach. But, uh, yeah, yeah, it's a good so, life. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Mitch, can you give us a bit of a background? What was the um, 
state of the club like at the time when you got to Noosa? And then what was sort of your remit over those couple of years that you were there? What were you trying to achieve? Yeah, mate, really good question. When we, like The Noosa Footy Club uh, is a really strong and successful footy club. It's won sort of 10 premierships in 40 years. It's been been running. So it's a, it's a club that's always had success in that way. And when I got there, the biggest thing was, and what I said to um, you know, the committee and board when I got there was you want to take a, you know, it was, it was run as an amateur, you know, obviously club, but you want to take it to, to run it as best as possible to a professional organisation. You just wanted to improve the process of the footy club. You wanted to take them to the to the next level if you could. Um, you also wanted to bring success as well. But my main sort of remit was to to make it really, you know, a functioning business. So be able to cut your costs and, and really grow your revenue base. Um, and that was my main role there at, at Noosa. It wasn't so much about uh, the on-field stuff. Uh, my sort of philosophy is if you get your off-field flying, your, your on-field will generally take care of itself. So from my point of view, it's just, okay, what sort of revenue streams can we create? We want to make sure, A, the club reduces its debt and, and we had a goal to reduce that and, and, and wipe it, which we did in the time, which was great. So it was, the idea of actually, yeah, let's reduce our cost, but let's grow this. What assets can we can we start to form, you know, What's our next step? Our strategic plans. We implemented a bit of a five-year plan of growth to be and, and some targets along the way. So um, it was definitely the business side, and perhaps something that had been been lacking uh, through no nobody's fault. Uh, when you've got volunteers, as, as you guys would know, um, you know they're pulling themselves in different directions with their own life and their own work. So uh, to be able to have someone to do that in a sole focus day by day, um, I think the club really benefited from it. Um, yeah, we enabled to yeah have a really successful three seasons while I was up there. Before you got there, you were at Netball Australia, is that correct? Yeah. I was at TLA. So, um, or, yeah, I was about 18 months at, at TLA working across the sort of business development and licensing area. So, um, yeah, re- really great organisation. I don't know whether you guys have had much to do with them, but um, Craig Kelly does a, a great job and a really fun place to work as well. So they do fantastic things in the industry. Mm. We've come across them a few times, but how was what was the decision like for yourself to move from what Nepal would have been Nepal's Nepal Australia is obviously a, a national sporting yep. organisation, then TLA yep. works with all the major bodies as well, to then go to somewhere like Noosa. What was that a hard decision to make? Yeah, it was one of those you know line in the sand sort of decisions as well, Reeves, because you can either go you know, you're leaving a, a comfort zone of a really good organisation, or you could probably stay for. You know, a lengthy period of time. Um, but for me, it was my goal of actually what I want to do with my career, what's, what things do I enjoy, what are my aspirations. So it came down to sort of working out, um, you know, what that was and what I wanted it to be. So my goal was to, you know, hopefully one day be able to, you know, manage a footy club at, at some level, at a professional level, whether it be in the AFL, whether it be in other industry. Um, so I thought, well, this is going to help me if I can actually have two to three years potentially managing my own football club, albeit smaller than a lot of other organisations, but enable me to, to generate the skills required. Because at the end of the day, they're all the same. They're just different scales. So, you know, you've still got a footy department. You've still got your revenue. You've still got, you know, a committee or a board to report to. Um, you know, you've still got to have actually your, your well-being and your, the culture of the footy club is, is top-notch. So they're all very similar values. Um, so that was my main uh, I guess, focus of the decision. So that's how based on said, okay, I'm going to step outside of here, go out to Noosa, which a lot of people thought was quite funny. Um, I thought I was going to sit on the beach for three years. But, um, 
yeah, that was based on my decision. I want to be able to hopefully one day be able to run an AFL club if, if it came to that. I think that's such a um, crucial point that people often overlook. What you said there that it's it's still a footy club, but these footy clubs just operate on on different scales. So everything you're doing is going on at an AFL club, and it's probably going on at, at the tier below you as well. And so for you, getting the experience doing those sort of activities was the crucial part of it because you knew you could take that to the to the next level because the same activities would would still be there. Yeah, absolutely, and it's a relationship based industry. Rooms as well, so you know you got to have a really strong relationships at all levels of your footy club, and and you dealing with a coach at, at Noosa is probably still very similar in terms of interpersonal relationships as you would at an AFL club. Um, obviously, the game plans are going to be a lot different. You probably haven't got too many players uh, out in the town most Saturday nights, but it's still similar in the in the way you relate to them, the way you communicate to them. You still want to be as professional as possible, and you're still trying to strive for for premierships. So. Um, yeah, it's a really crucial point that I learned pretty early. I said, look, you know, you're speaking to people down here in Melbourne in the industry, and they're like, mate, that's exactly what we're doing, but we're obviously at a greater scale. We've got a budget of $50 million, not a million. So, um, yeah, it's, it's a really crucial point, mate. Mitch, just coming back to uh, today and obviously at St Kilda Footy Club, yeah. what is your, um, what's your current day-to-day role as commercial growth manager like and what are some of the skills you need to be successful that you may have bought from your time at Noosa Footy Club sort of into your role now? Uh, the biggest part, the biggest skill I'd say uh, there, Ryan, would be just the ability to be able to build rapport with people really quickly, um, especially in this type of role at the Saints. It's all about growth and being able to generate revenue and, and, and thinking of, and strategizing new ideas to be able to you know, generate as much revenue as possible in that sense. So a bigger skill is being able to build rapport with people, whoever you may be speaking to, uh, especially virtually, what we've found. You know, you've got to be able to have some sort of synergy, what's there between you and, you know, the potential client you're speaking to uh, is really crucial. So that'd be, I'd say, the biggest biggest skill um, that I'd have in the role. But also being able to think outside the square as well and have that sort of problem solving, that creativity to go, okay, well, COVID's come along, what else can we do? But, okay, what does the next two years look like? You know, how are we staying ahead of the curve? What type of brand are we and how do we push that uh, compared to other clubs? Um, our on-field starting to really pick up now, which has been great. So how do we leverage that? Um, and they're, they're very similar skills to what you might have in Noosa. We are lucky enough to play in three grand finals when we are up in Noosa. So um, the strength of your on-field is super important uh, and we leverage that as much as possible. What's it like for so for the listeners out there who may not fully understand um, your role in a way, but what's it sort of like being in the commercial space trying to bring on, say, new sponsors? And given that the times we're living in now with COVID, yeah. how hard is it sort of having those conversations now, sort of basically basing the, the, the partnership on future years? How hard is it to sort of get them over the line when it's it's all about sort of a year or two years away. Yeah, it's it's not easy, right? The answer your question is it's uh, it is quite challenging, um, and and you got to understand that a lot of these businesses as well have been hit just as hard with COVID too. So for us, it's going okay. Well, how do we strip this back and and try and speak to as many businesses that potentially might have done well through COVID because there are plenty as well who've who've done really well, um, but we obviously try and say that. You know, the next year is not going to, we don't think it's going to be doom and gloom. We think it's going to be a bounce back. So we think it's, we're quite bullish towards 2021 and what that might look like, regardless of whether half crowds or their full crowds or there's no crowds. 
Um, you do have to sell a long-term vision in that sense. Um, but the best relationships I've been a part of have been long-term relationships. So you're not going to get much out of a one- or two-year sponsorship. You might get a little bit of awareness in that sense, but if you really want to create a lasting impact um, and for your brand to be recognisable you know, with a sporting club, you've got to be able to commit to you know, your three-plus years. Through the experience and the research that we've seen, that's how we, we sell it to our potential clients. Um, and I think most of them understand that as well. If you're just coming in for a quick hit, um, your brand recall over time may not be as successful. So um, first things first, we try and find some businesses that are doing really well. Um, you know, potentially, you know, you look at now the new spaces such as the fintech space and industry where everyone seems to be creating a fintech at the moment. You know, okay, well, how are they travelling? You know, any listing on the stock exchange? Who, who are we seeing some really big growth from? Okay, and then let's sell a vision of, you know, a long-term partnership as well because one or two years, well, absolutely achievable. Um, yeah, if you can create a really long-lasting one, um, it's going to be much better to the club and also the brand as well. Mitch, getting inside an AFL club is a dream for yeah. a lot of people out there. For yeah. you, what do you think was the um, the piece of work in your portfolio or, or the major tool in your toolkit that enabled you to be successful for the job? Good question, Rubes. Um, there's... There's probably a couple. Um, one thing I'll probably first one is never underestimate uh, your work with a national sporting body. I think that's something that's really well respected in the industry. Like my time at Netball Australia, although it was my first sort of encounter into the sporting world, and looking back now, you think, geez, I was pretty naive in, in how I approached certain things. And yeah, gee, I, you know, some of it was a little bit amateur. It was a great introduction into sport um, and being able to a, work with partners, understand how assets are valued, understand how to pitch the partners, et cetera, the type of relationships you need to form. Um, so I say never underestimate whether it's netball, whether it's temping bowling, whether it's table tennis, whatever it is, um, never underestimate that. Um, that's a huge part of your experience and uh, and being able to progress further. Um, and the second thing is is definitely my time at NOSA put me in a good position as well because um, I could sort of understand footy and I wasn't afraid to um, seek – I guess new business is probably a big thing too. Um, when you're the only man there and you've got your responsibility the whole budget, essentially, uh, you haven't got, you've got two choices. You either, either meet the budget or you don't. So you sure, that sort of installed me with a bit of confidence to know when I was coming into the Saints, I had that sort of track record where I was able to deliver results. So I knew I'd be able to back myself in and be able to bring on new revenue and, and new partners. So, um, yeah, they're probably the two key points there, Rubes. Awesome. Well, we're really keen to jump into your commercial experience within Grassroots because this is something that you are highly skilled at and have had experience in and is a major opportunity at the moment for people to, for people who are looking to gain uh, yeah. experience. Yeah. Uh, a year out of university for yourself, you were the sponsorship manager at the Richmond Cricket Club where yeah. you were doing all that sort of stuff and securing new partners and generating sponsorship deals. Yeah. When you got there, who taught you what to do in that role and what sort of wisdom did you get passed on? It's, it's an interesting question. That was um, my first sort of, I guess, start in sponsorship. And I'll tell you what, it really opened my eyes. I had um, one of the great presidents at the Richmond Cricket Club, um, Craig Sharp, who works as part of Cedar as well. And he, um, he sort of took a bit of a leap of faith in me in that sense to be able to pull in some sponsors but his big thing was just okay we're well, making sure your partners get something out of it especially at the local level uh, whether that may be as simple as you know not when they come to the 
the cricket club and they, you know, they get some drinks and some food, you know, some fruits, as simple as that, to make sure they get looked after at a local level. Um, we obviously don't have broadcasts on Channel 7 on a, on a Friday night. So the biggest thing was, okay, if they're putting in $2,000 or, or whatever it is, um, let's make sure they get something out of it. So that was a, that was a real life. It was a two-way relationship. It wasn't um, thanks to your donation and we'll see you, you know, in October next year. So um, that was a big one for me um, and a really good advice. And he's obviously run a sporting organisation before as well. So made a real key key part in what sort of, you know, I've taken all the way through, mate, to now is to make sure your partner's looked after. I think one of um in my volunteering at Cricket Club, days and Ruse may have told you this before but I think one of the the most valued benefit of being uh our partner uh whether it was whatever level it was was that invite to the end of season awards night uh, <laughs> on the house um obviously it's a hot ticket you know free free uh few drinks and food that was that was the main one uh, uh, probably above the, the the playing shirt it never ceases to amaze you running uh, a local you know Sporting club, I'm seeing professional. How often the, everyone's available for that end of night? Yeah, uh, yeah, end of yeah. night dinner. It, yeah. it never ceases to amaze. You couldn't get them to come to a game in the middle of the season. Uh, birthdays and bar mitzvahs and weddings and every every kind of excuse under the sun. But all of a sudden, you've got full attendance come the end of season night. When yeah, it's quite a it's quite a humorous part of part of a footy club, yeah. or a local sporting club. No, absolutely, and that probably leads to my next question is. How um how are you able to sort of package up a, a sponsorship uh, plan yeah. for um for local businesses? I know, um you know once upon a time again I'll refer back to my Scarborough Sharks days, Rose. But we sort of it was a challenge to sort of put together some sort of package yeah. for them to to then say yeah. yes or no. Um, yeah. But I'm guessing yours was a bit more, oh, well, a bit more to it than, than what we would have done. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> also, I don't know what. What did, you do? what did you say? Scuba Sharks, did you say? Back in the, the Scarborough Sharks. Mighty, Scarborough mighty Sharks. Scuba Sharks. They did oh, this. Oh, shout out to them. There you go. Beautiful yeah. part of the world, mate. Scarborough <laughs> Sharks. Um, I bet you probably wish you were over there right now. But, um, oh, yeah. I should have been there in March. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, yeah, it's a good question. We, um, My big thing, especially around uh, local sports clubs, is being able to create assets, whatever that may be. Whether that's you know your, your digital integration and, and videos and content through your social media, whether it's a you know a huge sign or, or scoreboard out, you know facing you know traffic of ten thousand cars that go past each day, we'll just continue to break it down per asset. Whether it's your apparel, um, whether it's they you know they maintain the, the name rights for your, your luncheons or whatever we had up at Noosa. So um, creating assets is my big thing. If I can package up an asset. Uh, it's much easier to sell. Uh, and then the second thing for that is being creative around what they can receive as well. Uh, we had a big philosophy in Noosa. We had, mate, we probably had too many networking nights or, or drink nights, to be honest. Um, but we felt that gave them a benefit because they came to the club. They got to hear from coaches. They got to speak to businesses in Noosa. They got to actually do some business, which was a huge win for us. Um, so they actually see some tangible benefit out of it. Whether it's a sponsors sponsors day, whether it's a Friday night, whatever that may be. But uh, mate, you got to be able to create those assets, whatever they may be. They're 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 there. Uh, it's just how you package them up, how you create them, uh, and what benefit they can provide to the sponsor. It probably as well. Um, sorry, Rose, I I jumped in there. Um, but ultimately, that probably comes down to what you can get out of your volunteers in a way, because 
yeah. you know, if you don't have someone on digital, it, it's hard yeah. to then generate that or like who who's organising that. And often it can be so hard with a limited volunteer workforce yeah. in a way to then generate yeah. them. So it's kind of, yeah, as, as you said, just trying to generate assets in a way that is manageable by your club. Absolutely. Absolutely, mate. It's a really good point. And the volunteer... Management and, and I guess trying to recruitment, if you could call it that, is probably one of the biggest challenges of a local sporting club because now you know you got so many different areas of life pulling you, as I mentioned before, in different different ways. Um, but a being able to get them engaged and be able to inspire them to want to be engaged, and then for them to actually follow it through with their role, so to speak, uh, is actually quite a task at times. I remember getting notion in the first couple of months. I was going home and I was uploading Instagram posts. I was uploading Facebook posts. And I thought this is not working. <laughs> You know, it's 8.30 or 9 o'clock at night. So I had to sort of, that was one thing I learned. Like, okay, well, I've got to be able to get a team around me. It's not just me yeah. running the footy club. So, yeah, mate, really good point. Um, but your volunteers and the lifeblood, people say all the time, the lifeblood of sporting organisations. Um, but they really are. And without them, without some of the team up at Noosa, I would have been in a world of hurt. So, um, it's all volunteers out there. I admire what they do. Mitch, I've seen third 11 players get auctioned off at those sportsmen's nights as a bit of a cash grab. When you talk about creating assets, what are, what are some of the more creative assets that you've created in your time or have seen? Um, one of my favourites, one of the assets we made at Noosa, we actually um, we created a corporate box. Um, over the far side of the oval called the uh, got a sponsor got the Bank of Queensland to sponsor it so we call it the BAQ uh, Superbox and we auctioned that off at a luncheon <laughs> so we have a luncheon every week at Noosa so we get a sport you know get a past player up or a football identity we fly them up um, from Melbourne uh, put them in two. it's pretty hard to sell the two nights in Noosa in the middle of winter by the way they usually jump on that pretty quickly so we say we'll fly you and your wife up we'll put you in two nights down the Hastings Street oh really yeah yeah absolutely oh that'd be fantastic so we get them up we go all we require from you is two two hours on the Saturday have a few gags um, entertain our you know, guests at the prison like, yeah man, that's no problem sounds great anyway they come up so what we do is we I thought how can we make more of you know this luncheon or you know the game itself it's a huge huge opal over up in Noosa you know, what can we do? So we converted the old scoreboard, got a few of the trades around on a Friday night with a couple of couple of cans since, and then we, you know, we constructed the scoreboard, sold it to Bank of Queensland, we auctioned it off um, at luncheons, um, and people were paying like, ridiculous money, but it fitted about eight to ten blokes, so we'd say we'll give you all the drinks you, you wish from two to five for the seniors match, we'll give you two seafood platters from Jeff Seafood down the road, um, and we'll get the you know the coach to come over to you at the end of the game and have a chat about the game, etc. So that was just an idea of how we did it. It was super successful. Blokes absolutely loved it because they'd leave the lunch and they'd straight over the super box with a couple more beers and a seafood platter and 20 degrees in the middle of winter in Noosa. So just one of my uh, – one one that I love the most. And uh, Funny story, we had um, Dane Swan up there for a luncheon one, uh, one weekend in Noosa, and he said to me, he goes, Mitchie, I'm really sorry, but I'm going to have to duck off. Um, straight after you know, the lunch, I said, mate, no problems, just you know, head off and do what you need to do. Um, anyway, I sort of walked around about three-quarter time. He's up there in the super box. He hasn't left. He's been <laughs> a couple of years in the super box. He's been about an hour and a half. He goes, well, I've got to go, but I just can't. So just, <laughs> it's a super box, mate. It's a super box. It's a super box. He draws him in. So that was one of my favourites um, up there. So that's just an example. You can try and be creative. I know a few clubs have done it down here as well. 
in that sense. So, yeah, one of my favourite stories I like to tell. That is that is fantastic. I think we might see a few more super boxes rolling around <laughs> after this, I, I and think particularly there might be a super box at the Wycliffe Cricket Club, perhaps this season, Rubes. <laughs> oh, definitely, definitely. Well, like for people who are looking to get experience in events and, and sponsorship, you know, one of the one of the classic questions that you get asked in an interview is, "Tell us about a time when you've had to use your initiative." And this is a perfect example for that, that no one else is doing that you can easily implement and show how, you know, you've thought creative to, to solve a problem and in this case raise a bit more money for, for the club. So I think it's it's super and hopefully see a few more super boxes rolling around in community cricket this summer. <laughs> <laughs> it's a long day, cricket. It's, uh... <laughs> it is. You, you could sell... You could sell the morning session, then the afternoon <laughs> session. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. It's also quite hot. So if depending <laughs> on what you're selling, if it's not coffee, it could go down a treat. Uh, <laughs> you could add a pool in there as well. There's there's no limit to um, what you can include in the Superbox. Mitch, what did, what did you find worked best when you're approaching um, businesses for sponsorship from a grassroots perspective? Um, mate, for us, it's it's you know because as I mentioned before, you're not not on broadcast. You don't have that TV, um, I guess, scope as well. Um, it's all about being part of a community club and getting your business out there and the people you meet. That was our big philosophy. And we said, okay, we're in a small, you know, we're a small town. We don't have TV assets in that sense. Um, we'd love to come on board. You, you can obviously put put up some signage. We can you know, introduce you through our Tiger TV or whatever the, the asset was, but we'll get you involved in the club and you'll be able to meet some really great people um, that can help your business. Um, we had, for example, we had a night where um, our mortgage, you know, number one mortgage broker, he presented to the playing group and said, this is the product I can have. Um, this might be able to help you. You know, players are in that sort of age group where they're potentially looking to buy a house. So it's just different ways where you can try and get them engaged. Um, but being, people love being part of a community, if you want to call it that. Um, and footy clubs have always... Always said a great places to be, provide some structure and support that you otherwise wouldn't get anywhere else. So even if you can sell that to your sponsors, and they generally are pretty receptive to that, especially at a local level, um, and also gives them something to do as well, you know, on a Saturday or a, or a Friday night too. So uh, plenty of benefits, mate. The outside necessarily, you know, getting some some exposure with your brand or your business, uh, being part of the community and and having the support network there for your business or for your family is huge. Mitch, obviously, a lot of our um, a lot of questions we ask on our podcast, we're trying to sort of give people some practical advice on sort of how they can obviously get a job in sport, but yeah. more or less get more experience as well. And one of the questions I have for you is sort of what would you say to a student now who has just taken up a role um, in sponsorship at their local club? Uh, obviously hit hard by COVID, and we need to sort of raise some raise yeah. some money. Um, what yeah. what's something you could probably tell a student now that they could they could do from the get go? Mate, it's um it's the it's the old adage: the harder you work, the luckier you get. You just got to hit the ground running, really. Uh, especially in this time, one thing that I was really big on my first couple of months as nurse was not really knowing anyone. So you come into a new role, which potentially. Um, you know, this person might. Um, you don't know anyone, so what's the best way to do that? Um, and for me, it was actually literally walking around the town and, and, and the local industrial area or the business area, um, saying hello and getting to actually to know people. 
regardless of whether someone came on as a sponsor or not. Um, and funnily enough, every time someone will. So uh, it's a bit of the law of averages. But if you, are, you haven't got your network established, um, you've got some pressures in terms of trying to find some sponsorship in a post-COVID era, um, there will be someone out there that will sponsor the club. So it's just about trying to, A, find the quickest way home to find them, essentially. Um, and the least is you have 15 conversations with local businesses, um, you might hey, learn something new about a business. There's no real um, negative in that process to me. Yeah, it is a little bit daunting because you still got to put yourself out there, um, but you'll you'll get a lot better at those conversations the more you do them. Uh, and then once you obviously progress with your career, you'll really value those experiences. So yeah, if you if you've got a couple of pressures in the post COVID era, which we all do, uh, and you're trying to find sponsorship, um, just jump down to local businesses, get on the phone. Uh, ask your president, your committee for help. Who do they know? Have you heard of anyone that may be doing really well? Um, you know, w- what are the benefits with that? Um, can we get them involved in the club? Continue to ask questions and, I guess, use your initiative as best as possible. Finally, Mitch, going back to your experience at uh, the Richmond Cricket Club where you had that sponsorship yeah. role, obviously yeah. the goal there is to take that experience to the elite level given the activities ladder up to the elite level from the grassroots. Um, My question is, how how did you manage to leverage that experience into your next role, which was at Netball Australia as an account manager? Yeah, for sure. My biggest thing that I leveraged, Rubes, was definitely the presenting skills part in that sense. So being able to actually speak to people, not have that sort of anxiety or the fear. Not that I really ever ever did, but it just gave me confidence to go, okay, well, if I'm presenting to two times you if I'm presenting, you know, to Virgin Australia, whoever it may be at netball, um, I can do it in that sense. So if you're looking, you know, for work or experience at a local sporting club, do everything. Don't let the president do it. Go, look, I'll take the reins and, and say, look, I'll do the you know, proposal deck. I'll go out and meet them. I'll present to them. All those experiences are going to help you post that. Um, so when you do get to, whether it's a national sporting organisation, whether it's a semi-professional club, whether it's an AFL club, uh, it's going to hold you in really good stead. Uh, but definitely I took that presenting you know, part and skill set um, back to obviously Netball Australia and then moving forward and something I sort of hang my head on now and that's it, being able to really communicate effectively what you know, the benefits of, of being part of our, our club are. Well, Mitch, I think you're a fantastic example for anybody who's looking to turn their grassroots experience into experience at the elite level to then one day hopefully get you towards your dream of, of uh, running an AFL club in the future. Um, but thank you so much for coming on the podcast. We've learned heaps and there's so many practical tips that you've dropped in this episode for people out there who are looking to take advantage of um, the grassroots seasons coming up. So thanks very much for giving us your time tonight. No worries at all, guys. I just want to also commend you on obviously your you know, podcast and, and what you're doing. I think it's a fantastic initiative as well um, and I've been watching the socials pretty closely over the last month or so so I really commend you on that and uh, helping people be able to find a little niche in sport or, or give us some tips along the way is fantastic so keep going uh, and I'll be watching on very keenly as you guys start to progress and become a fully fledged tech company um, and when you are don't forget me just give me a call and I'll, remember I've got passes to the Superlock so just feel free to give me a call <laughs> yeah if you're anywhere near Mooster um, and mate I wish you guys all the best but yeah keep in touch and if you, you know if anyone's got any questions as well feel free to reach out you can find me on LinkedIn as well and um, I'm more than happy to offer any advice or help in any way I can as well so yeah, yeah thanks for having me on and yeah it's been really enjoyable 
Fantastic. Thank you. That's, uh, that's very kind. We will certainly arrange the sports grad super box in the future, in some point in the future. <laughs> uh, we will also include a, a link to, uh, to Mitch's LinkedIn profile in the show notes if you want to hit him up. But thank you very much for listening. A reminder to please hit subscribe so you don't miss out on any upcoming episodes. Drop us a rating, preferably five stars. Leave us a review. It does really mean so much and helps us put together a great show for you with more sensational guests such as Mitch. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the SportsGrad podcast. If you need help with your sports career, head to sportsgrad.com.au and download our free ebook today. And if you've enjoyed the episode, please give us a tag on socials at SportsGrad. 